we're going live now so we are live so now let me see can you go check youtube to see if we're live on, on youtube let me check uh, oh, yeah just, it's on the liberty advisor right yeah i just uh let's see here so if you guys are joining us i yep it does show that we are live so that yeah, is perfect. cool so all right so maybe that's like the hack around so right right now we are also live on float d live uh, my facebook but i wouldn't really recommend watching this on facebook if you are watching this on facebook make sure you check out the other channels but a uh, little little hack in order to get it working on float is i turn float on first then turn the other ones on so maybe that's uh some feedback for kingsley in terms of uh how we can get this stuff to work but anyways let me uh get the actual recording of the show going so uh you know as we're building this up uh you know appreciate you guys watching but let me get the recording going after i cough in two seconds here <coughs> Ah, coronavirus. It's everywhere. Just got to get rid yeah, of that. You're done. Just got to get rid of that coronavirus. But, uh, John, you ready to get the show started if we uh, hit record right now? Let's, uh, let's hit it. All right. Everyone, this is Tim Pichot, joined with John Snice and the Economic Truth. And today we are back for another Tim and John show. I know you guys have been waiting uh, a while for one of these. It's been about two months. Uh, a lot of that is my own uh, problem. Not, hey, Tim not... is done camping. He's been out camping all the time. As you're, as you're basically camping, you know, right now, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to uh, June 15th, I headed up to uh, upstate New York, visited family up there. Then the day I left New York to go to Massachusetts, they then banned people coming in from Arizona. It was one of the three states that got banned coming into New York. Otherwise, you'd have to go on a 14-day quarantine. Then I, uh, then as soon as I left Arizona, they started implementing mandatory masks in Arizona. Then, uh, then I, you know, went to New Hampshire for Pork Fest. That was awesome going up there. Then came back uh, to Arizona for a day or two. Then went to California. Left California. The day I left California, they shut down California. And then, uh, then went out to Anarcho Vegas out there with uh, with that crew. Then came back and uh, after that went out to Jackalope Freedom Festival. Out in uh, up in northern Arizona, that's about three hours away from here. And then we've got uh, Josh and Kingsley coming back here uh, tomorrow. So it's just been a yeah big uh, whirlwind over here. Uh, I've been doing lots of work, but also uh, you know having a, having a good time. Just you know in the summertime, you know we've we've just set records here in Phoenix for most days above 110, most days above 115, hottest month ever in the history of Phoenix. So you know it's it's just a you know sort of a weird atmosphere. Also in the coronavirus capital of the world supposedly. So I mean if anyone should be you know dying of this, it should be the guy that's been gallivanting all around the country, going to all these different events, not wearing masks in the coronavirus capital of the world, Maricopa County. And you know we're still here kicking, but all all the while John's been uh, asking to do shows, and I've just been you know not in the right frame of mind to do that. But anyways, it's been lazy. He's just been bumming around, yeah, you just know, a lazy and having fun. <laughs> Well, someone that's been bumming around for a very long time, if we go to the screen over here, is Mr. Warren Buffett. So uh, Buffett has been, you know, notoriously, you know, anti-gold. You know, he's, you know, there's been just numerous times where, where he's just been, you know, calling it, you know, all sort of things under the sun uh, and not a big fan of it at all. And so now he has actually had a stake in Barrick Gold, uh, according to the 13F that came out recently. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, by the time Buffett, I mean, probably owns stakes in other companies, by other gold companies, I'd imagine by now, because these are always one quarter behind. And so I imagine he's probably gradually increasing his stake, but it was only, you know, 500 million, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things of, you know, Berkshire Hathaway is not, you know, like a gigantic stake, but for someone that's been, you know, always notorious anti-gold, 
I mean, it's sort of like Peter Schiff, you know, if he were to come out and say he's, you know, pro-Bitcoin all of a sudden, or he bought, you know, well, some Bitcoin. Well, Tim, it's uh, it's like, uh, I actually watched a video, was it yesterday? Of actually, there's a video back in the day, like him and Charlie Munger had their, like, whatever, uh, your yearly update for their investors. And he said, like, yeah, well, gold, it's the only time you can think of, you know, owning gold is when you're going to flee America. <laughs> That's basically what he said. Like, and this is probably like 20 something years ago. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people are saying, well, I guess he's going to flee the country. Well, actually I, he has paper, fake paper, you know, shares. So it doesn't have the real thing. Stupid. Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's really old. So I mean, one time he's going to flee somewhere. And I just realized I never hit the record button on this, but anyways, well, I can go pull this off of, off of YouTube to get the recording. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, you know, it's, it's showing I me mean, he does. He was saying that, you know, sort of betting on, gold is betting against America. So, I mean, at this point, you know, is Warren Buffett betting against America? And, you know, judging by what he said in the past, it seems so. But, you know, even, you know, a stop clock is, you know, right twice a day. And so it sounds like now he actually is worried about inflation. Did you see when, when he said that he was worried about inflation and he never really thought that it would be, a, you know, a big issue in America? Did you see those comments, John? You know, I, I think I've heard him, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where or when. Like, it, I, I think I... You know, I always have my air to the ground, but sometimes it just slips by me. But yeah, I know it's uh, when when Warren Buffett is worried about inflation, I should be worried about inflation most likely. The problem is that, you know, you started with uh, like all these little uh, helicopter drops of money that you had, right? And then now it's been more like a, you sending in a fighter jet, you know, constantly like attacking a target, uh, you know, giving them money, like dropping money at them like every month. And then I think like what's coming next after this, after this is not working, you know, like after all the unemployed people, they, you know, still are unemployed after this Corona crisis is over. Um, I, I think what's going to happen is that, um, you know, they're just going to go in and carpet bomb uh, the, the economy with currency, <laughs> the, the Fed and the ECB and all the other, uh, all the other, um, uh, what, what do you call them? All the other central banks. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know, Tim. I, I have a feeling that, you know, we're, we're headed for some serious inflation, like actual real inflation that we'll see as peasants, you know, not uh, not stock, mar uh, stock market inflation that, you know, you, you've seen so far. You know, uh, wasn't it today that uh, was it the Dow or which which uh, exchange was it that actually set a new record high again? Um, S&P. Yeah, the S&P, right. So. Uh, we're back up at new highs, you know, everything is fine. I think we're going to go probably uh, quite the ways past it still, uh, because usually uh, it's, you know, October that you really get a, you know, a good crisis that will uh, start to unfolding when it unfolds. So I, I think everybody's still on vacation, you know, all the day traders are out there still, you know, racking up a whole bunch of their savings into these, uh, uh, into, you know, stocks or bankrupt company corporations like Hertz and others, uh, while they, they just don't understand what really is going on. And of course, there was a, you know, the, a lot of people are into ETFs now, like there's a massive uptick in ETFs. I looked at the recent stats from uh, World Gold Council, uh, of course, there was a, uh, you know, massive increase in, in just gold, not in, not in bullion itself, but actually in, um, in uh, you know, ETF ownership. The problem is with ETF ownership, and and I, I think we're we're in for some serious stuff. I, I saw that you posted a article uh, there from uh, I think it was from Sarah had something about ETFs. I actually uh, had it up on the screen while you were just talking, so you know it's like oh, yeah. you read, so let's, read let's go into that and kind of 
like explain the current you know uh, uh, things happening with that because there's there's the we've been warning about this you know paper ETFs it's like basically like fractional reserve banking you go to the bank and try to get cash uh, and there's not enough cash there to cover all the deposits and it's the same with you know these contracts and the physical metal so yeah, yeah let's uh, let's first let's first you know uh, you know finish up a little bit on Warren Buffett and then we can go dovetail right into that because I do have some quotes here from uh, Uncle Warren as people like to call him not not people like John and I but you know it's people out there in general but from a 1998 uh, speech at Harvard gold gets dug out of the ground in Africa or someplace then we melt it down dig another hole bury it again, pay people to stand around guarding it. It has no utility. Anyone watching from Mars would be scratching their head. Then he also famously once said, gold is a way of going long on fear, and it has been a pretty good way of going long on fear from time to time. But you really have to hope people become more afraid in a year or two than they are now. And if they become more afraid, you make money. If they become less afraid, you lose money. But the gold itself doesn't produce anything. Then again, in 2011, Buffett noted that for $9.6 trillion, you could buy a pile A of all the gold in the world or pile B, the entire U.S. cropland, 400 million acres, plus 16 Exxon mobiles and still have another trillion dollars left over. And admittedly, when people a century from now are fearful, it's likely that many will rush to gold. He wrote, I'm confident, however, that the $9.6 trillion current valuation of pile A will compound over the century at a rate far inferior to that achieved by pile B. And you know, I mean you might I mean if you're you're you know if you're comparing it to all the farmland in the United States, uh, you know, maybe you've got a you know a uh, well you know, a case of what what about stocks? What about paper stocks? You know, you issue these stocks on uh, just basically ownership of something, you don't really have the real thing uh, as well. Like he is he comes from you know the paper paradigm I call it where uh, he hasn't really like seen a crisis like his dad was a big gold bug, uh, of course, and he had seen, you know, the 1930s, the, the crisis with the Great Depression uh, and what that did to people and what, you know, uh, ownership uh, did at the time. And of course, they took that away from people back in the 30s and created a, a slush fund with it, uh, with the confiscated uh, gold. So it's, it's, it's just apparent that, you know, uh, he always uh, like will try to you know like he doesn't want fair like the problem is that he's an investor that lives on you know the the paper paradigm and and if you get fair involved like he, he doesn't really understand exactly what to do well it probably will uh, which you know is trying to say that gold might have utility when it's fair around when actually like the whole monetary system comes apart and uh, uh, and you know the, the the whole thing falters but. After like after that, I don't know. Like I I I have a feeling uh, Uncle Warren is is up for some um, some serious drops. When uh, this is the thing, like some of the richest people in the world today are rich because their paper stocks of their shares in their companies are you know at record highs, uh, versus you know the printed currency. Uh, they're gonna just continue to rack up. We're gonna soon have you know trillionaires, uh, Tim you know, uh, potentially in the next decade. I, I, it might be a lot faster than we think if they continue to print all this money. But uh, I did, you know, it's just a natural outcome. But people talk about it like uh, that it's, you know, something that, oh, they gained so much wealth. Uh, the, the thing is usually like uh, people gain more and more money. Uh, it's not that they gain so much more wealth. It's that the currency, uh, well, the, the things that they hold has gained value versus the currency uh, that people has gained more and more, more money. 
So that is mostly that, you know, we, and that's why we talk about investing too, Tim, is um, a, a lot of times if you just hold like something uh, that is not, you know, uh, a company that's huge growth, for example, and, you know, you just see like the stock price goes up. Well, it's actually because the currency loses value versus that same asset. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just a couple more quotes here from Uncle Warren. Uh, beyond this is 2012. Uh, he wrote, beyond that, the rising price has on its own generated additional buying enthusiasm, attracting purchasers, purchasers who see the rise as validating an investment thesis as bandwagon investors join any party. They create their own truth for a while. So, you know, is uh, Uncle Warren not one of these bandwagons? talking about the Wells Fargo bandwagon. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the Wells, the Wells Fargo. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of Wells Fargo, uh, you know, he trimmed his stake down twenty six percent, and Wells Fargo trimmed his J P Morgan stake down sixty two percent. Also, uh, you know, trimmed PNC Financial, M and T, uh, BNY Mellon, Mastercard, Visa, and exit his Goldman Sachs stake entirely. So he exited his Goldman stake for some gold, and then uh, also just yeah, you know, yep. Also, two more quotes here. Uh, you know, Buffett in 2018 compared $10,000 invested in stocks and gold in 1942, uh, which is the first year he invested in stocks. And he was saying for every dollar you could have made in American business, you'd have less than a penny of gain by by buying into a store of value, which tell you to run to every time you get scared by the headlines. And in 2019, he said the magical metal was no match for American metal. So now it's funny that he is trading, you know, American financial stocks uh, to buy uh, foreign gold stocks. So you know, it's uh, you know, it's just you know, he's uh, you know, headlines sort of write yourself. But now you know, going back to uh, you know, a headline over here: world's largest gold ETF continues to source more and more gold from the Bank of England. And uh, just so you guys know, we do have a Discord channel. If you guys type in uh, bit.ly slash tim john discord i believe that's all lowercase for tim john discord d-i-s-c-o-r-d and what john and i do is we save articles those articles then get saved right into discord and out of everything that i do in terms of uh you know what i am you know pretty diligent about i am pretty diligent you know beside when i was camping off grid i didn't have any articles for that week but aside from that week uh you know we're saving, you know, just a, you know, a huge amount of articles a day. Those are then getting archived, and uh, you know, John's a lot better about you know interacting within the Discord. We do have you know quite a few people interacting within that Discord, and uh, you know, just a great wealth of knowledge. But anyways, one of the things that we did share today, or I shared today, was saying that uh, the gold ETF, uh, the largest one in the world, that is the Spider Gold Trust or GLD. Uh, they have right now, they've been getting, you know, quite a bit, I believe from this morning when I was reading it, I think it was something like 6.8 or 6 point something percent of the trust was gold that they had bought from the Bank of England of all places. And so, uh, you know, right now, it, they, as a, as a uh, custodian, they use HSBC Bank PLC London as a custodian for its gold bars. And, uh, you know, right now, I mean, it just would, would lead... I guess the big question I have is whether or not, you know, those gold bars are actually moving from the vault in uh, in Bank of England to the vault uh, over there in London, which, you know, who knows, they're probably like connected or, or something. Or it could be leased. Or leased. <laughs> just basically, just share, yeah, just uh, basically you say that, oh, you could have this gold, but we're just borrowing it to you as collateral for something, right? So, um, yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, if you are. You know, a lot of people out there are not willing to buy physical gold. They're not willing to, 
you know, it's just even convincing some people out there, you know, especially people that are you know closest to us, because you know a lot of here us here are probably gold bugs, but you know, trying to convince you know our family members or trying to convince people that are closest to us, uh, you know, you're never a what's the saying? You're never a, a prophet in your own village. So, you know, it's if you've got someone in your life and maybe. Uh, you know, they're not willing to go out and buy gold, but maybe they have an IRA and they're willing to buy, you know, a gold ETF. You know, I think that's better than doing nothing and it's better and you're still going to get the price appreciation. It's just that when you finally want to get that, you know, silver or gold in your hot little hands, you know, the premiums on, on that is, you know, pretty insane. So what, what, what kind of premiums are you seeing now, like on, uh, on, you know, uh, like an ounce of silver? Have, have you, is that something you've checked out? I mean, well, actually I can tell you what I, Oh, did we freeze or did, did I freeze or did we lose? Did we lose John there temporarily? It looks like we, uh, and let's see here. It shows that he's still there, but I don't, uh, I don't see him. So anyways, while, while we're getting John back, just wanted to, you know, cover a little bit more with, uh, you know, the bank of England here, cause it's, it's showing right now that they are the lender of last resort. And so, you know, it just makes you wonder like, to what extent is, uh, you know, the spider gold trust having to go to, uh, to source their gold. And it looks like they're having to go to the bank of England. And, uh, you know, they can't go to the Bank of Canada because Bank of Canada already sold all their gold uh, famously or infamously. And, uh, you know, I think it was about like $200 an ounce around 2002 or three. And, and John would probably know more about that. But we got you back, John. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, sorry. It's just my computer. Like my uh, charging cord is a little bit uh, trickier. Okay, well, uh, well, I, well, I was just making fun of Canada there for you. So I was saying that uh, you know the lender of last resort for the gold seems to be the Bank of England, uh, but it can't be the Bank of Canada because the Bank of Canada sold all their gold at like two or three hundred dollars an ounce. And what was it, two thousand two, two thousand three? Yeah, and and they used to actually have a lot of gold. They used to have thousand and uh, and uh, forty two uh, tons of gold. Uh, so it used to be a substantial amount. And uh, when you look at so like what I paid currently, which is it's quite substantial because usually I pay like two or three dollars uh, spot per ounce, but uh, I paid basically forty-five. Uh, uh, yeah, about forty-five dollars for. Uh, You're talking Canadian, Canadian. Yeah, Canadian dollars for, and uh, the the actual spot price is thirty-six point nine dollars. Uh, so you could see that there's you know uh, almost a. Uh, ten dollar nine about nine dollars uh on the spot price so it's substantial actually uh there's not a lack yet but the, i i uh, went through and looked at the products there there's definitely not as much products as there there usually have been uh so there is a lack of products and of course it doesn't help that uh, some mints are you know shut down because of the corona crisis and are not minting i i never really have been the guy that you know buys the actual uh, Maple Leaf or the Krugerrand or the, uh, uh, the the Kangaroo, whatever you call it in Australia from the Perth Mint there, or the Liberty, uh, Liberty, uh, you know, gold or silver or uh, bullions, because I, I believe that, you know, the government could come around and say that, well, we printed it, we, we minted it, so it's ours. <laughs> you never know what kind of shenanigans they're up to. So I always buy the private mints. Uh, I, I like Sunshine Mint is, uh, you know, it's it's not as fancy as the quality from, for example, from the Maple Leaf, which is the best quality in the world, of course, but uh, it's more than good enough for what it's, it means are, you know, it's supposed to be meeting or exchange in the period of, uh, of trouble. And of course, you know, I, I couldn't care less about, you know, if there's one nine less, uh, after, you know, like 0 
uh, and then it's nine 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 for the other one. So um, speaking know, of which, uh, rest in peace, Herman Cain. Nine nine nine. No, <laughs> I mean that, yeah. he, he did he did pass away, and the and no one ever talks about the fact that he was a Federal Reserve governor. They're always like, oh, he was the Godfather's pizza guy. I'm like, okay, you know what's more pertinent? Uh, running uh, CEO of a kind of shitty pizza place that you know. I guess you know I had it when I used to live in South Carolina. Well, you know what? I, I totally agree. I think a shitty pizza place is better than being a board of governor at the Fed, to be honest. With you. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least we guys who dodged a bullet with uh, you know uh, yeah. not getting Susan Rice being Joe Biden's running mate because I, I think she has deep Fed ties. Like her, uh, I think her father was associated with the Fed, and she had something to do with the Fed. And uh, anyways, but yeah, now we trade one. Uh, one one tyrant for another with you know Kamala Harris, but anyway that's a whole another you know topic that you know. But you know lastly you know kind of touching up on this uh, the gold issue over here, it was showing that uh, according to the World Gold Council's Spider Gold Trust holding, that uh, they had 70 tons of gold at the Bank of England on May on uh, the 21st of May, and they had 40 ton wait hold on, 70 tons of gold at the Bank of England on the 21st of May, and then 40 tons of gold at the Bank of England on June 30th. So, you know, are they moving it out? And, and it also appears that uh, that there can be audits twice a year of the gold at the GLD, but you're not allowed to audit the sub-custodians. So something like the Bank of England, you wouldn't be allowed to actually audit that and then would then lead into, you know, are they rehypothecating it out? Uh, now, I mean, I do think, you know, the GLD is probably on the up and up and they're uh, you know, because there's some like funds and ETFs that they don't actually own any gold and they're just buying, you know, futures contracts of gold. And that's probably actually, actually Tim, there's um, a guy contacted me on LinkedIn uh, and he wanted me to uh, I haven't talked to him yet, but I, I will try to reach out to this fella. But he was saying never buy gold or, or silver, you know, uh, through your uh, RSPs, which is the, the Canadian form of IRA. Um, he's uh, for, for from BMO he said because they're they're crooks they don't have the physical metal because basically he said that you can buy physical metal you know through your uh, RSP system here through the different accounts that you can have uh, but he said that that was fake like that was a fake claim he actually tried to get the gold and silver out of the the, the bank the physical but he, he couldn't uh, so actually uh, he said that the only guys that you know have uh, a program available is silver gold bull in canada which i actually bought and i bought my last shipment now from uh, yesterday uh of gold so it, it just depends like you gotta really uh, watch it when you invest in in some form of paper because uh, if you don't watch it, you know, you definitely don't have the physical ownership of it. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of people like in a 401k in America, you're only limited to, you know, like 10 different options. And, and maybe if you're lucky, one of them is a gold option. Or if you're in a, a, an IRA, uh, yeah, there are ways to get physical into your, but then, you know, there are, you know, cost benefit analysis of, of everything. And I'm actually a bigger fan of, you know, having gold outside of your IRA, just, you know, you having it physically or personally. But, you know, one of the tricky things is, is you can't, have gold at your house in an IRA and a lot of people you know seem to think that you can although it's you know very very clear in the IRS regulations that you can't do that and so you know if you can't have it at your home anyways and you're you're sort of relying on a third-party custodian that in a 1933 type uh, you know scenario like when they took the gold you know I don't think you'd necessarily be any better off because the feds would just immediately go to you know these uh you know third party institutions and you know clamp down but you know i don't really think we're going to necessarily get to that point because 
you know, in 1933, you had a whole, whole entire system that was based on gold and international trade that was based on gold till 71. And then, uh, you know, but today it's just much easier for them to print $10 trillion than it is to go, you know, door to door and put a gun to everyone's head and, you know, steal their gold. So I don't, but you know, it'd be easier. But if they were going to do it, you know, obviously, you know, the GLD would be a pretty big target for them. The, a lot of these gold well, depositories would be a big target for them. Yeah, and and the thing is, like every every crisis, Tim, when when you have a currency crisis, every crisis that I looked on, you know, they ban gold uh, ownership or use of gold or silver uh, during the crisis of a hyperinflation, for example. Like Venezuela just did it, Zimbabwe did it, uh, you know, all the way back in France uh, during the Libra hyperinflation and the the, the re revolution back there in the 1700s. And, uh, China banned, you know, the use of it at the end of its uh, fiat, a couple of its fiat currencies as well. So they try to impose, you know, strategies to like force you to not use it. But of course, the general public doesn't, you know, at that time, it would rather use gold and silver as minimum exchange than these terrible uh, currencies that, you know, have been. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, a like it's it's a trade-off and everybody should and this is of course uh, my opinion i can't say that this is advice but this is what i'm doing for myself uh, and a lot more than that but the uh, wall street guys they say you know five to ten percent of your base uh wealth should be in gold and silver uh well in gold they say usually but um, it, it should be to it's just like a wealth insurance that protect you and and of course we've seen lately with all the inflation and printing of currency uh, all currencies have uh, reached new record lows in their price toward, uh, against gold and silver. Well, especially gold, of course. But um, So you see like gold is actually doing its thing. It's protecting people's wealth uh, because it's protecting you against the inflationary supply of new currency that comes in. Uh, and, you know, we've seen that in old currency. But you talked, uh, you made a little bit of fun of, uh, of course, Canada and selling all the gold. I wanted to make more fun of Canada because uh, the guy that, you know, me and Josh confronted at a liberal convention, which is, uh, he, he just, uh, he's, uh, you know, uh, well, actually, he's not anymore the finance minister. He just resigned yesterday, Tim, uh, our finance minister, uh, and who knows who's going to be the next one. Uh, uh, but he, he resigned because of some, like, speaking engagement. He got, like, $250,000 or whatever uh, at a charity for kids uh, that, uh, you know, the liberals, they were caught up in a whole bunch of other things. And, and he was uh, also told that uh, he was also, he also said that, oh, Justin Trudeau had nothing to do with my resignation. Justin Trudeau was involved in that, too. He, you know, his mom spoke at the convention for 250000 uh, you can get like Ron Paul at a convention for under fifty thousand US dollars. So why would I listen to his mom? Maybe she would talk about how, uh, you know, uh, Justin, uh, how she, uh, you know, Justin is. How she uh, went to, uh, how she went to Cuba, uh, how she went to Cuba uh, yeah. to go, uh, you know, birth him. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was for kids. It was a kids' charity, Tim. And uh, so just like insane that they charge two hundred fifty grand for. You know, speaking at a kids' charity event. Well, but, they spend uh, like fifty thousand dollars on hot dogs and pizzas, yeah. and uh, but, you know, not to make. But a... so, what's really hilarious, though, Tim, if you can show the viewers, I sent uh, it on Discord on your Discord the article. Uh, you just gotta pull this up because, it, it, first of all, Bill Murnau sold the gold of the rest little bit of gold that Canada had. Then he attended Bilderberg. 
and now of course he is uh, attending to he wants to actually uh, look at you know uh, another uh, thing that he wants to do and he wants to uh, you know chase the leadership of the OECD at the United Nations of course <laughs> so you know the, the more corrupt you are the, the higher up especially like the, when you're ultra corrupt you end up at the UN usually and and they're organizations and sure enough he's you know going that way because he, he was caught with so much corruption here in Canada so now you got to go to the ultimate corrupt place which is of course the United Nations the UN. So, yeah. who's who's whose symbol at outside their gates is a uh, 45 with the chamber uh, barrel wrapped up uh, you know basically because they want to I mean remember like years ago when Obama was in there it was all like the UN small arms treaty and trying to hit the guns and um, you know, and luckily, I mean, America has been a standout on that, uh, you know, even though Trump has, you know, taken some of the guns already and, you know, hey, yeah. let's, uh, you know, take the guns first and ask questions, you know, later. But, yeah, I do have that article pulled up. And did you happen to see another article we have over here is uh, this was from about a month ago, uh, July 22nd. But Deutsche Bank's top credit strategist makes stunning admission. I am a gold bug. Fiat money is a passing fad in the history of money. And this is uh, Deutsche Bank's Jim Reed notes that this is again this is a month old. So at the time, gold was up 21.4 percent, silver was up you know, almost 20 percent, uh, crude oil was down uh, almost 26 uh, percent, and uh, he was admitting that he is a gold bug and says you know fiat money will be passing fad in the long-term history of money, which is a shocking omission for most financial professionals who are expected who are expected to toe the Keynesian line and also believe in the primary of fiat and its reserve currency the u.s dollar which uh you know did you happen to see that one did that one uh sneak by you or is that something you saw i think i saw it yeah like way back when yeah i, I definitely saw it there's a lot of people that are coming out uh, talking about how great actually gold is when finally gold did something you know it was protecting your purchasing power um everybody seemed to come out of the woodworks claiming the obvious um of course and uh i i just find it interesting tim that you know it takes an event like that for him to actually talk good about something uh, and actually tell the truth. But, you know, that's that's just the nature of uh, all these people. You know, they got to make their money in between. And then, of course, uh, they'll, you know, tell people at the, the, the latest possible time that they should get into something that they probably also, you know, made a whole bunch of money on. Um, the, the thing is, like with, with all these banks and, uh, you know, what they believe in and what they do, you know, their, their system is so obsolete. For example, like th this just shows you how insane and how terrible and how old and obsolete the transfer mechanism money is today. You know, I, I, I was getting money from my dad's uh, estate uh, over here from my uh, dad's credit union. So this is how, it, so this will just baffle you and like, you, you couldn't make this up. So I, and you're I, talking I, about Norway, just so people. Yeah, Norway. Know. Yeah, okay. exactly. So uh, the the credit union in Norway. Uh, so to transfer the money, okay. So this is the this, these are the intermediaries involved. So they got a uh, Nor uh, the Norwegian credit union got to transfer it to DMB, which is the Norwegian, uh, you know, major bank. Uh, the, the the Norske Bank, it's called. Uh, it's the biggest bank in Norway. Then they actually transfer the money to um deutsche bank <laughs> talking about deutsche bank go figure and then actually they deutsche bank is supposed to transfer the money over to a credit union in vancouver which is supposed to transfer it to my credit union. so there's five people involved here uh, on one transaction of course and uh 
when something goes wrong with that transaction, which it did, so the bank employee that transferred the money, I gave him, you know, the, the sheet with all the information on, clearly states at the top to transfer in euros, right? But of course, neither him or uh, the Norwegian bank uh, managed to catch the big capital letters on top saying euro transfer. So they sent it in Canadian dollars. <laughs> And so it's been a month now, Tim, a month and three weeks um, that the money has been stuck. And, and they're blaming, uh, you know, Deutsche Bank, actually, uh, because my credit uh, union, you know, they tried to talk to the other credit union, that, uh, but they can talk to Deutsche Bank. And same on my side, like they, the my credit union are talking to the Norwegian bank, but not Deutsche Bank. So Deutsche Bank is the fifth bank in the middle, like, and nobody seems to be able to get to to them or get the information on both sides of the, of the specter. And now they, they finally cancel it, but they, you know, it, it might take like who knows? It might take another week or so. The money is still not back at my uh, credit union bank, and then they wanted to send it through the same process again. And I said, no way, you guys are gonna send it in Canadian dollars this time. Uh, because I had it work already. You know, when a business in Norway sent it to me, Tim, it took two days on a business, you know, wire transfer. Uh, so, like, that's how fast it should be. And, of course, when something goes wrong here, there's so many cooks in the kitchen that, you know, I, I just uh, got to laugh, you know, and I, I like to crack jokes with these banksters, and uh, and they don't seem to like it very much when I say, like, well, I could just, uh, tra I, I wish I could just uh, transfer it in Bitcoin. It would take me 10, 10 minutes, and I will have it. Uh, so, but I, I hope you guys can get to blockchain technology soon and like get rid of this obsolete, terrible system. And then they, of course, get mad with me and like they don't want to talk anymore. Uh, <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta, you know, poke well, fun we, up. Well, the thing is, we're, we're getting there and then you're jumping ahead a little bit because, you know, we actually are going to talk in a little bit about, you know, central banks who are now, uh, you know, trying to implement blockchain technologies. But yeah. one other thing I wanted to point out, if we go to the screen over here, this is Goldman's head of high frequency sales. If anyone had told you five months ago this would happen, you think they were crazy and, you know, they're referring to, uh, you know, right now, I mean, actually right now, like literally right now, the stock market, uh, S&P 500 just hit a new brand new intraday high. And so, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, just go back and like, think about it. Like if you're go if you're going and talking, uh, you know, five months ago, you're saying, hey, you know, country would still be on lockdown. Not that you or I or any of our listeners care about a vaccine, but you know, that's one thing that the market kept going up on all the hopes of these vaccines, but there's no vaccine. Well, unless you count the Russian vaccine, but you know, we can't have a Russian vaccine because we can't have Russian is making money it has to be you know bill gates and you know the big tech conglomerates they're there yeah. yeah and they've got you know what is it you know half the restaurants are basically shut down a huge amount of uh closed permanently not to shut down just you know absolutely just you know devastating you well know, yeah 25 of businesses tim uh here in Cal here in manitoba that i love is not going to probably open up again like th this is just devastating but it was a natural outcome because it was a massive you know business debt cycle that was driven in and it was a master, I believe it's the, like, if you could call it a grand debt cycle, you know, like this is kind of the end of the debt cycle because nobody could get any more debt. Everybody's debted up to their ears, you know, we can only go to negatives. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, let's go to negative and try to keep it afloat for a little bit longer. But the problem is like, you got all these people unemployed that live on, you know, now stimulus money to survive. And then what, what if you are not going to print more money, right? Like now we got all these people uh, that are unemployed and that won't get those programs. Like here in Canada, our deficit exploded. Like listen to these numbers, Tim. Like 
this is scary numbers like the deficit was uh, you know 30 billion which was insane i i told it you know many times that it was like beyond crazy because it went from 3 billion uh to 30 billion and now it's 300 and almost 400 billion uh dollar in deficit and of course that's the time in the uh the finance minister thinks it's a good time to exit <laughs> <laughs> when he racked up like tenfold of the, the debt, basically uh, twice in his uh, little tenfold of the the deficit twice in his uh, you know uh, four year uh, you know four and a half five years that he's been finance minister, so it's it's not a good thing. And uh, the people were in so much, especially in in countries like Norway, uh, Australia, England, uh, Canada, Sweden. Uh, I believe Singapore, Hong Kong as well. Everybody was very indebted. And the problem is when people are heavily indebted, I call it peak debt when you basically, you can't raise your debt levels anymore because it's, you can't basically afford to pay, uh, you know, even simple interest on it. Unless anymore. you go negative, then all of a sudden you can uh, afford yeah, it now. Yeah, you can just sit there and just uh, like, it'll pay itself down over a hundred years, probably <laughs> with negative interest rates. But it's a, uh, that's the way we're going like there's no other way out of this than going into negative interest rates for a while and uh, you know they could only keep that going because then you distort all uh, basically all investments you know bonds especially like uh, who's who's insane enough to buy any uh, you know german bonds for example now all of them are negative returns like yeah take Tim. you know i got a good investment uh, why, why don't you and kirk you know uh, start uh, to put your clients into a 30 year bond, which is like, I believe like negative 10, uh, 0.10 return. That's a, that's a fantastic return to have. Like, meanwhile, the, the real economy is having high inflation. <laughs> it's, it's just not like, yeah, I, I don't know. And then everybody's piling into the stock market because that's the only place where you could actually get a return right now. And that's why you're seeing, you know, everybody's just going in there. Uh, well funds, everybody. You know, I mean, even even I didn't even realize that. You know, the thirty-year German boon is also negative as well. I've got it pulled up on the screen right yeah, now. Yeah, that's but, what I just said, Tim. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I still. Oh yeah, thirty. Okay. Yeah, it's thirty. All of the all of the German boons are negative yielding. It's insane. Yeah, I just so, I just I just pulled it up, and uh, yeah, no, absolutely insane. But let's see, we've got the, uh, the three. How right was I though? What what is the actual like? What is that? Uh, what is the actual negative uh, negative point zero two on the thirty and the ten off. years in the ten okay, years? Off. Uh, I was ten, off uh, ten basis points. In the so ten years, uh, negative negative point four six. But then let's you know take a look at the other countries too. We've got at least on the ten well, year side of, of things. Uh, a lot of the France, France, Netherlands, yeah. Switzerland, well, even Italy, Tim, you know, Italy, you can get negative yielding debt on a country that's basically bankrupt. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Uh, yeah, so the one month they've got negative 0.48, yeah. the two year negative 0.11, but then, you know, uh, uh, 30 years all the way at 1.9. And the thing is, what people don't understand is there's something called interest rate risk. So let's say you've got a million dollars and you put it all into, you know, 30 year bonds. Rates go up 1% when the Fed or central banks lose control. That million dollars is now going to be about, because of, uh, it's, it's going to be about $700,000. Rates go up 2% because of compounding. I don't know. It's probably like, I'm just doing it off the top of my head. It's going to be like 400 something thousand dollars. Now you'll get your, you know, paid, you know $19,000 a year in interest. But after you wait 30 years and you get your million dollars back, your million dollars is going to buy you, you know, the equivalent of, you know, probably, you know, uh, you know $20,000, which, which is like your interest payment. All the horses are going to be out of the barn and you're going to be screwed. So, I mean, the worst thing to hold in an inflationary environment would be a long-term fixed asset like 
uh, a government bond, especially from a government that can't pay its bills, like the yeah. Italian government. It's just, and here I am looking at the screen and realized I had my. Uh, but that's the thing, though, Tim, is like that's where everybody's been piling into these terrible bonds. They're stuck in, you know, a hundred year Argentinian bonds, even. Like, you insane. Like, they actually invested, like, me and Josh did a video on it like two, three years ago when it happened. But, you know, Argentinian government came out with a hundred year uh, bond. Uh, which is like the country that is a serial defaulter. They've had eight, uh, you know, uh, debasements of, the, of their currency basically overnight. You know, you lose 70 to 100% of your value of your currency or they've been hyperinflating you. So like anybody that invests in a 100-year bond in, in a serial defaulter, but it was a good return, right? So well, in any in any uh, hundred year bond, just you know that one just you know particularly dumb, uh, you know stupid <laughs> move that somebody could make. But you know we do have a lot more articles that I wanted to go yeah. over, and let me try to find some of these over here. And so, you know we haven't done a show in, in two months together, so some of this is going to be a little bit old. But you know Fed officially blows the biggest ever bubble, and so mission accomplished over here with all time high close the S and P five hundred, which you know right you know we're basically right at that right now all-time low 10-year yield close and all-time high in gold pick and so you know here we go you know it's just you know complete insanity that you know somehow they've been able to financialize the entire economy to basically get every metric that they want to get while you know the richest people in the world get richer and you know the average person out there is not really benefiting so i mean and i do see you know the president being you know very tone deaf with this when you know him and Pence are, you know, out there tweeting out, uh, you know, I think even last night when the DNC debate was going on, they were tweeting out something like, you know, NASDAQ at record high close. Well, guess what? The average person doesn't give a shit about the NASDAQ record high close. I mean, the average person has no money in the stock market or they have very little or they've got like 10,000 bucks in is not going to make a difference. Yeah, or they uh, got like they put uh, maybe 100 bucks of their $1,200 uh paycheck that into the stock market well i mean a lot of people had they could probably pay off debt and so and then you know paying off debt while it's good for you as the as the individual it's not good for the ponzi scheme economy that is predicated on getting more and more debt having everything going deeper and deeper into exactly, debt yeah. and uh you know one other thing that uh you know i wanted to, to touch on is not one other thing we got a bunch of things but uh 61 of parents fear remote learning will negatively impact their finances so i mean so even like just you know in a microcosm you know taking a look at you know uh you know my daughters and, and myself basically what's what's going on with with us is we have to now pay a babysitter because my daughter's in kindergarten so you know you get to start school and it's all this big excitement except not because it's a school through fucking zoom like we're doing right now which is just you know idiotic but then now we have to go hire a babysitter to then uh to monitor my child, you know, so that way they can do Zoom. So that's, a, you know, an extra expense that we have. But, you know, but for other people, maybe they can't afford that extra expense. Or maybe now they have to cut hours at the real job because they need to make sure their kids are taken care of or what if their kids have special needs. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not a big fan, obviously, of the public indoctrination system or the public, you know, schooling system. Uh, but, you know, but at the same point, it's going to have in the short run a negative impact on people's finances. So I think it's good in the short run that, you know, people are, you know, starting to realize looking into homeschooling, looking into alternatives that are out there. But it's got to have an effect on the economy when you've got all these people now who have to make, you know, these different concessions for their own kids. So then that way their kids can get, a, you know, I'll say education here in air quotes because, you know, basically whatever they're learning in school is all, you know, BS anyways. And they're probably better off, you know, getting like, different certification type courses or maybe taking like a Ron Paul curriculum or, you know, but hopefully this does, you know, get people, inspire people to 
think of things, you know, completely differently because, you know, that's when, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, there are, there are good signs with this, but in the short run, I do see this is going to be a negative. Uh, one other thing with relating to the stock market, uh, stocks are overvalued on 17 out of the 20 metrics. Growth is a six sigma outlier to value. So a six sigma event, I mean, I don't even know like what the odds of a six sigma event are. I mean, it's like probably like a one in every like billion year type uh, horizon. I mean, I, I mean, three sigma is what? You've got like a 0.5% chance of something happening. And so six sigma is, uh, you know, basically it's, it's just, you know, when, you know, it's, it'd be like it's snowing outside here in Phoenix when it's, you know, probably going to be. That's well, basically the, the same as the, the, the chance of dying of coronavirus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It might actually be limited. Yeah, I mean, it might actually be less than the chance, which is the chance of that is pretty low. So yeah. uh, maybe it'll actually say what, what it is. But I know before I was looking up some like a five. It's anyways, it's it's an event that we should not never basically see in our lifetime. Having this like six sigma outlier type event or, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah basically, Tim, what has happened is that the, the central banks are just, you know, pushing these bubbles uh, further because nobody wants deflation. And that's also what, you know, Ben Bernanke in his 2002 speech that we talked about several times around the channel is, he said- Who like, also gets paid like $300,000 to give speeches as we were talking about, you know, people getting paid money to give speeches. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, you're, you're basically like, he said that, you know, the printing presses was always win over to deflationary pressures. So like, he's basically saying that the solution is just to continue to print money and that's what they're gonna do. Like, it's pretty obvious and, and nobody see, it seems to, you know, think that that was possible. But you know, this is the the Fed. Uh, uh, the Fed is basically creating this rally uh, together with all the other central banks, and and uh, but they're also starting to look at buying other assets that are going bad now. You know, like commercial mortgage-backed securities. Probably going to see the uh, the CLOs as we talked about getting starting to get bailed out as well very soon. You know, because. Uh, the real estate is starting to suffer right now, uh, the commercial real estate market, because, uh, you know, people can't, uh, well, the businesses, you know, are not having enough people there. Uh, a lot of them are going bankrupt uh, and, you know, they're having smaller, uh, you know, office spaces if they have any. Uh, so it's like a, a dying there. And then on top of that, they're in a massive corporate debt bubble. Uh, which is the CLO uh, market, uh, which is a, a der credit derivative, of course. So you have like so many uh, bubbles that are, you know, very close to bursting again. And then, yeah, what are we going to do? Like the balance sheet is going to go up to like, what, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 billion. Uh, where is it going to end? Right? Trillion. Yeah, <laughs> trillion. Uh, yeah. Is it going to go to a quadrillion when you print enough money? Like, so, so wasn't there like recently there's, uh, you know, Fed governor statements saying that they're, you know, willing to let inflation run hot and they're willing to, you know, deal with, you know, extra inflation. And I was trying to find that article real quickly. I should have just went to my uh, Evernote or to our Discord, but I didn't. But I found one that's like equally as hilarious over here. And it says from last year, last June, can the Fed solve the global uh, global inflation. And so, you know, they're worried about inflation remains persistently below target in the face of solid growth and record low U.S. unemployment. Is there a solution in sight? And it's like, I love how like these idiots like think that this is like the number one problem over here is how can we get more inflation? Because eventually, you know, be careful what you wish for. They're going to get way more than what uh, than what they bargained for. And they're going to wish that they weren't trying to get inflation. Uh, you know, it's just absolutely insane. And then one other thing I'm seeing now is 
Stock buybacks are storming back, and here are the companies announcing a return to stock repurchases. And I know, like earlier, I was looking at this, and uh, a lot of a lot of information technology, a lot of healthcare materials, and financials are going to be the the, uh, the bulk of this. And if we go down, looking at over here, uh, you know, Mastercard, Kansas City Southern, uh, Linda Materials, Johnson Controls, O'Reilly Automotive, uh, Kimberly Clark, Schneider. Robert Half, Bob, let's see, uh, keep CBRE, State Street, which is actually you know the gold spider ETF uh, holder, BNY Mellon, Google Alphabet, uh, Sherwin Williams, Northrop Grumman, Apple, and so what really pisses me off about this with with Apple is you know Apple had uh, you know they were also we didn't get to do a show on this as part of the you know the hiatus, but you know you saw like when the Fed announced like their bond their corporate bond purchases. And Apple was like one of the top 10 holdings. So why does a company that's sitting on tens, I don't know if it's tens of billions or hundreds of billions of dollars of cash, probably hundreds of billions of dollars of cash, why are we subsidizing their bond purchases so that way they are floating bonds, so then that way they can buy back their own stock? And as and I don't have the list pulled up, but I swear like half of the companies on that list of you know the top 10 uh, bond uh, you know, holdings by the Fed. I, I swear, like half of them were like not even American companies. It was like BMW or BMW, yeah. uh, Daimler, Chrysler, which is now not Mercedes, an American company. Yeah, Mercedes, yeah. I think Toyota. Uh, I mean, well, Apple is, but they were, you know, but they're one of the richest companies in the world. So why are they in that list? And it's just, you know, very, uh, you know, for people that are in the know, it's just, you know, something that really just, you know, probably pisses me off, probably pisses you off. Because it's a bank robber. It's a transfer of wealth from, uh, you know, essentially these major uh, S&P 500, Fortune 500 companies where they now get to borrow at these extreme lows. Well, if you or I want to go out and get a loan, unless it's backed by the government, uh, you know, they want to charge us, you know, 20%, even if we have good or, you know, exceptional credit. And it's just what Max Kaiser talks about, this interest rate apartheid that is going on. And uh, I guess I had one of these articles already pulled up here. So I, I should have just looked further in the articles I already had for today and it looks like I got to readjust my screen over here but it shows that the I'm trying to do this on the fly but the Fed is close to making its new inflation strategy official and I don't know what they mean by close I mean I think they've already you know already uh, you know made that basically official because uh, they because this entire system is predicated on getting more and more debt and so if uh, all of a sudden the merry-go-round of debt stops the whole system implodes and so they have to just keep issuing more and more debt uh, but eventually, you know, that's going to be like a snake eating itself. And, you know, we're going to see, you know, a collapse uh, in confidence there. And that's why you're seeing guys like, you know, even Warren Buffett coming out and deciding that now is a you know great time to uh, to own gold. And I was going to go to you to see what you had to say about that. Uh, John. Yeah, sorry, sorry you cut out there for a second. Can you just repeat that? <laughs> yeah, I was saying that the Fed is is uh, reading an article here from Yahoo Finance where it shows that the Fed is close to making its new inflation strategy official. Oh. And uh, you know, I don't know what they mean by you know close to it uh, because it seems like they're pretty much uh, already there, John. Well, they've been they've been talking about three percent, like a lot of uh, Fed officials I heard that they talked about three percent target. You know, and symmetrical now. So what they mean by symmetrical is. Uh, let's say it was you know zero for a while. If let's say it was zero for ten years, then does that mean now it could be six percent for ten years? Because you know, averaging in a zero and a six over ten over twenty years gets you back to three. And so that's something we we heard them say you know a few years ago is the term symmetrical 
inflation. You know, the thing is too, Tim, is that, you know, inflation target is so fake too, because they don't, you know, involve, for example, holding stocks or anything like that, or real estate. Like here in Canada, I, I looked at the, uh, the CPI that we calculated and they calculated the weightedness of, uh, uh, you know, housing costs in Canada uh, on an average being 25%. Now, the problem was that Manitoba where I live was one of the cheapest. They were 30%. And then you go to Vancouver and Toronto was 75 and 80% weightedness. So where, where, where's that inflation target? Like 25% versus like basically where 50% of the people live, it was 75 or 80%. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like something is completely and extremely distorted. and. If you added the numbers of, you know, M, M1, M2, M3, which is, you know, the different types of money, which is, you know, M3 is all debt. Uh, the U.S. doesn't count that anymore. But they were 10%, 10-11% inflation with those numbers. So basically the debt has inflated 10% on an annual basis uh, in, in Canada for the last uh, decade. Uh, for That was what I measured over the last decade. And... You know, that, in, that is actually inflation that hasn't totally shown up in, you know, the food supply and, and uh, things that we need, uh, but it's shown up in cars uh, quite a bit, you know, uh, and the inflation is so that, you know, it's hidden because you pay the same for the car, but you have suddenly gone from two-year, uh, you know, term on, on the loan to a 10-year term on the loan, basically. Uh, so, like, it's hidden type of inflation that you don't really uh see of these things and and of course and honestly, uh, if you can get a two if you get a 10-year loan on a used car for like two percent i mean i think it doesn't it doesn't really make uh, any sense bit, to you know, pay it uh, off it makes sense to just sold that. get the cheap money and use that to buy either you know gold silver well, Bitcoin, yeah, it so. sense. tim we're not we're not talking about you and me here making sense for us but it's uh you know the general public whatever it can take for them to you know not having to pay uh more for a car you know they'll do it and people will take those you know like five till uh, you know 10 year loans if, if they can because it means that they will pay less and uh, you know uh, the interest and principal uh you know also uh, the, the stock market tim I, I just took a look like there's actually been very little share buyback since uh, uh since march basically that's when it stopped but there's been a few actually uh and uh there's well it was a very bad political move to do it at the time when you're begging for money to then you know take that money so you know let's just wait like six months and then uh you know all the sheep will forget and everything will be be uh but you the, know, good again yeah but there has been some like in may there was uh dhi group did a 3.5 percent share buyback so that that's how many shares they bought back that was five million that was a 250 million from logitech international on the 27th of may then the 10th of june CBOE group, uh, you know, which is a real estate, uh, commercial real estate management group, they did a 2.3% uh, share buyback. Then Synopsis Group did a 1.7. Series XM did 7.8 in, in uh, July. And then uh, recently was Quanta Services did a $7.2 uh, million share buyback. So there's there's been some, but it's, it's basically stagnated down to nothing. And that's why, you know, everybody has seen that you know the, the fed is basically in there to bail out everybody uh, and so there's no need to really do the share buybacks to you know push up your prices anymore so that's why i see massive stagnation in the share buybacks you know they were very substantial and a lot of them i did a report back in october and the, it's a massive list in my report that i called the uh, 2020 global risk uh report where i you know pointed out a couple of things that have happened and 
and that are about to happen with you know the the whole commercial debt uh, side of things you know the corporate debt is just insane right and it's it's gonna blow uh, and when it blows when there's no more you know massive stimulus out there to keep them propped out uh, you know you're gonna have uh, some serious ramifications coming in uh, but the problem is they probably will just keep on you know shoving in stimulus to keep them alive and keep these zombies alive until we're like a hundred percent zombie corporations and there's no corporations alive or nations that you know are ever going to be able to pay their debt back which is there's a lot of them already there's you know 25 30 percent depending on the country so uh you know they could keep on with this money printing scheme and uh, and buying up you know assets but you know be like my uh the thing that i wrote four years ago almost now the fed will own everything to nothing you know like what's your exit strategy federal reserve i i called them on that like way back at that time what's going to be your exit strategy just from you know looking at their that was their curve balance sheet that what was it like for you know 4.4 uh, trillion dollars at the max it's like the the fed has no exit strategy. Well, and, if you, and if you think and if you think about it and uh you know if they were to start buying back uh if they were to start selling bonds and as part of their quantitative tightening which you know they were able, able only able to do that ruse for you know less than a year and they're only able to get it up to that 50 billion dollar number literally for a month or two before they had to stop that uh you know if that would then make interest rates go up interest rates going up on a 4.4 trillion dollar balance sheet would then uh send massive massive losses in the fed's bond holdings which uh you know if going up one percent uh you know what you're looking at uh you know depending on the i guess the duration of the bonds i mean you're, you're talking about losing you know hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars you're talking about losing like waste go one percent you're losing like 400 billion dollars like in and one false swoop on a 10-year bond and so uh you know with the situation that the fed has gotten actually no it'd be more than that it'd be uh Anyways, yeah, it'd be a huge, 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 staggering number, uh, and and greatest and, number ever, big greatest number ever. But then what would also happen is that the Fed usually would give back. They spend it as they give back ninety six percent of their profit when really, uh, sorry, ninety four percent of their profit when really, which means they get to keep six percent of all the interest of all the debt uh, that they get in terms of uh, you know monetary gain and profit on that. But Mike, I had a question that got asked my congressman that then got asked to Janet Yellen. And I was like, well, yeah, what happens if, you know, rates do go up like you guys say they're going to go up? Then the Treasury would then have losses. Are you instead of, you know, giving the Treasury, you know, a check, are you going to then give the Treasury a bill to cover your losses? And Janet Yellen said that my uh, scenario is mathematically impossible. And it's funny because now, you know, all these Q-tards are saying, you know, Trump has, you know, nationalized the Fed. But if you actually read the statement... It said that the Treasury is in a first loss position. But wait, I thought I thought the Fed couldn't lose money, guys. I, I thought that you guys were saying that I'm like a retard three years ago for suggesting what was probably going to happen. And she was saying it was impossible. And I'm like, you know, excuse my language, like a fucking alien attack is technically possible. And yet not only is my situation not unfeasible, it's actually the most likely scenario of what's going to happen. And so how did I figure out that they'd eventually be in a position right around the same time as you when you and i didn't even know each other but we could figure out that they're trapped that there's no way out of here and a lot of my early podcasts there was a uh, song i'm trying to think of the guy it was uh, pink floyd's lead singer i can't believe him uh, john david gilmore uh has a song called and unfortunately we can't play it here on on youtube or you know because we'll get taken down which uh, you know the early videos on facebook didn't get taken down but it was called there's no way out of here it's a you know pretty good song so if you guys you know after this want to go youtube it david gilmore no way out of here and basically you know that song i was i would play it a bunch of times 
uh, talking about you know Federal Reserve and central bank policies because I'm like, there is no way out of here. They can tell you they're going to sell bonds, but okay, wait, great. They lasted one month. Oh, whoop-de-doo. Uh, you sold $50 billion of bonds either once or twice, and then the whole world started collapsing in Q4 of 2018, and then you had to completely go back and renege and everything. And then not only are you, we're not able to sell $50 billion of bonds a month, at one point it got up to, they had to do repos of a trillion dollars a day, two days in a row. And so, and those were like three month repos too. And then it got to the point where, oh, we don't even need to keep reserves anymore. And so you and I have been proven right, you know, just, you know, tenfold on this. Uh, but, you know, I do want to switch gears a little bit because, you know, we're already, you know, about an hour. But Tim, just one, one more okay. thing, you know, when has any Federal Reserve chair said anything right, right before a crisis? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they all want to, you know, hold Jenny. Very minuscule on that. <laughs> yeah, they want to hold, you know, Janet Yellen up as someone that, you know, prognosticated yeah, all the 2007, but, you know, these guys, else, you know, they, they come out like a week or two before a crisis happens and say like, oh, everything is totally fine. Yeah, everything, <laughs> I mean, even yeah. Mnuchin was saying, you know, no chance of a recession in like the end of March or, you know, early April. Well, which, you know, Yellen said that there was no chance of a recession in our lifetime. She yeah. said that. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, Larry Kudlow, which, you know, he was right on this, was saying that, you know, rates would never be uh, rise again, would never be raised well, again I guess in his lifetime. Tim, I guess there's no the recession, though. There's the depression, so they kind of knew we were right. <laughs> yeah, we skipped it. Yeah, we skipped the recession and went straight to depression. Yeah, but, I mean, right. all those numbers, yeah, though, yeah, I mean, all those numbers are, you know, skewed. And But, you know, I do, uh, you know, this is a very, very important topic, so we're going to switch gears now and talk, you know, a little bit more about blockchain. But, actually, this is more uh, more political and it's showing U.S. Postal Service counters Trump's attack on mail-in voting with a new blockchain patent. And, you know, for me, you know, they, they, they could have figured this out, you know, years ago. I mean, one of the, you know, early podcasts I did, you know, went over the subject. And, you know, this gets into the whole debate, you know, is voting even worth it? Well, you know what? It's definitely not worth it if you don't know if your fucking vote is counted or if it can be. They have so many different ways to game the system. They have these something called fraction magic there's a documentary by bev harris where she you know lays this out and actually one the first time i was ever on ernest hancock's show which you know you did ernie's show uh today i'll be on it tomorrow uh i was on with bev harris who is a liberal who is talking about different ways of how they can like steal votes but one of the ways and this is newer is they have machines where it says okay you know 49 percent of your vote goes one place 51% of your vote, or maybe, you know, 50% goes one place, and then another 1% gets scattered to the, you know, third parties. But they can have the the preset already, you know, configuration already loaded into the software to split your votes up. That way the vote tallies at the end all match up. That's called fraction magic. They can have dead people voting. They can have people voting multiple times. They can have, you know, hacking the, the machines. They can have, oh, we just, you know, had printed off 10,000 extra ballots and oh, you know, behind a locked door, we shove in all these extra ballots that we just printed off. So many different ways that they can, you know, rig this. And not that it matters between, you know, okay, well, we got to pick, you know, Trump because he's going to save America and end the Fed. Oh yeah, by the way, he actually doubled the Fed's balance sheet and did all the worst things that I would, you know, would have only feared somebody like Bernie Sanders doing. Uh, so I mean, at this point, you know, we're screwed either way, but I would at least, you know, we should at least have integrity to at least have an auditable system, which they could do, you know, tomorrow if they wanted to. A lot of these machines, there actually are ways where you could go back and audit them as a citizen there to see if your vote was counted, but then they turn off those features or they delete all the, you know, those features, even though they paid a shitload of money to get those. But, you know, if, but through the blockchain, you can have it where you could be at home and say, okay, you got the long string of numbers, see that your vote was actually counted, how it was counted, and have a whole, you know, auditable proof of that. But that's why I believe it was either Lenin, Lenin or Stalin, I always get this too mixed up. I think it was Lenin that said it doesn't matter who votes it's who counts the votes and I count the votes and so you know here all they need to do 
to rig this election is steal a few counties in a few states. And so can they steal? And what's going to drive me absolutely fucking nuts is all the people that think Trump is definitely a lock for winning. They're going to be like, oh, well, you know, he, he was going to win and he definitely won, but they stole from him. Yeah, no fucking shit. Obviously, they're going to steal. Can they steal from him? Yes, which means they are. And so Ernie used to say if they can, they will. Now it's if they can, they are. And so if you think that Trump is has a 2% chance of winning and Hillary's going to, you know, cakewalk this in to uh you know into victory are you going to risk if you're part of the deep state or you know are you going to risk a felony to you know vote do retail fraud and encourage people to vote multiple times or more retail fraud and get dead people voting and more retail fraud and do different type of mail-in voting fraud or more sophisticated fraud such as hacking the machines or you know the fraction magic you know you're, you're probably not going to do that if you think hillary's going to win anyways like why are you going to go risk you know putting yourself in jail for years and years and years on something that has you know basically it was like a six sigma type event you know having donald trump going in there and win which you know to me it was awesome having you know defeating hillary but it wasn't about you know maga 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 getting trump in there if he goes in there and starts you know advocating all these you know liberal uh, type policies, but you know that's my say when it comes to you know blockchain voting. You know all voting is basically bullshit anyways. But you know if you are going to vote on something, I would at least like to make sure that this bread and circus you know thing that we're doing over here with voting that at least the vote is is counted right. And so that was one of the things I thought Trump should have done first. I'm not money morning quoting backing this. I was talking about it like pretty much from even before the 2016 election. I was talking about this and what a you know this is one of the major things they should do. I know Ernest Hancock is one of the major things that he harps on as well and you know rightly so. But uh, you know blockchain is here. It's here to stay and there's you know it are a lot of good potential use cases for that and uh you know other potential use cases are we see out of uh, china is beginning uh, major expansion of digital currency testing and it shows that they're doing all sorts of different testing over there with the people's bank of china and i always love how it's you know people's bank of everything you know the people's republic of north korea and the people the people the people the people so it's like the more uh, you know people and inclusive you are yeah. yeah yeah this whole 1984 you know world that we're in uh Okay, that was another uh, Fed partnering with. You probably but, saw uh, this. Tim, sorry to interrupt you there, but how about going another step further than the blockchain voting? How about the politicians' votes on the blockchain? Everything that the politicians do on the blockchain, <laughs> that would that would stuff corruption pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, know, so. yeah, that, that that would, which which is exactly why you know it's not going to happen until you yeah. know all the horses are going to be out of the barn. On that, but I'm sure you probably did see, uh, you know, Fed partnering with MIT to develop hypothetical digital currency, and you know, this is something that you know we've talked about a lot. And when they say, you know, and there's, I mean, it's no surprise, you know, why they have, you know, Coinbase's former uh, one of their top guys is now the office head of the Office of Comp controller currency uh that i believe happened on april 1st so and then i mean even and this is something you and i talked about but the first initial stimulus bill was actually uh you know slated to give you like a federal reserve type dollar into your account and what that was going to be tied so the 1200 dollars would be into this like basically blockchain digital wallet that would be basically a, a you know represented as like a dollar uh and you know now that you know cash is bad you can't hold on to cash uh but then once they get you all on a blockchain and they're, they're probably then incentivizing you to get in a blockchain maybe they'll even say hey 
you know, that money you have in a bank will give you an extra, you know, five cents for every dollar. If you put it into your blockchain dollar and you then you, oh, boom, that's an easy 5%. I'll use easy in air quotes. And uh, then eventually it's, oh, you didn't get your vaccine. Uh, so, you know, you're, we're going to ding your social credit score, but we're not going to call it a social credit score because people are onto that. So we'll call it, you know, contact tracing or something else. And eventually, you know, get to the point where, okay, we're just going to start stealing money from you because we've got enough of the slaves in here. So now we've got negative rates. So we're going to incentivize, basically, you know, force people to spend their money to get out into the economy. But it's all this social engineering and, and central planning that and, is going to ruin everything. Yeah, and and uh, like if you, if you uh, take that a little further, you're saying that, you know, steal your money with negative interest rates. They've been talking... Like the the Kenneth Rogal's book, The Curse of Cash, he actually talked about, uh, you know, doing a negative five, negative six percent uh, interest rate. And when you're stuck in the bank banking system, you know, and and most likely this this is not even like a uh, a real bank, like you'd be at the central bank potentially, where you have a direct bank account that they control the Fed or uh, you know the the Fed itself and. Uh, you basically are, are a complete slave. And, and what happens is that, you know, as you're not doing, you know, don't get your mandatory vaccine and all this stuff, you know, maybe you'll get to uh, have to pay more of a fine, you know, maybe you have to t- pay 10% interest on a monthly basis uh, because you're a bad boy or a bad girl, you know, not listening to the grand government. So there's, there's many ways that they could, you know, take this to a hellish 1984 way uh, which, you know, there's uh, the technocrats out there, they want to do this. Uh, you know, Stupi McIntosh, one of the head banksters in the world, uh, he actually wrote a article, uh, no, a book called Re- The Redesign of the, the Global Financial Infrastructure, The Return of State, State Authority. And he says that, you know, the technocrats are you know, wanting to uh, do better control mechanisms. Hellish. And they're doing that today. They created the whole G20 and the the financial stability board that creates all the laws in, in banking and central banking in the world. And there, it's only like about 20 people that actually make decisions for the whole world. Uh, it's, and he liked the way that it was more dictatorial than, you know, the IMF because they had 157 people, uh, you know, countries that had to vote on it. So then, you know, it's easier to make decisions when it's less people that could, you know, choose something. Uh, which is the total opposite of, you know, freedom. It's total to the totalitarianism, but they believe that, that, you know, it's, it's just for the greater good of the, the people, because uh, when you do that, you know, and they are the masters, they, they've found out a way to do it this time, Tim. So uh, there's no worries for us peasants that, you know, we would uh, ever, you know, they're just doing it for our general good and uh, that they really care about us, uh, Tim. So these guys, they, they don't, you know, functionally actually, you know, care too much about people i think they just care uh that you know they they want to have control over the world and it's a natural innate thing in human beings i believe that you know we constantly have to uh you know all uh, you know control people uh talking about control and actually like the the this whole system tim that brings me to if you can go to the the general chat at our uh at our discord i wanted to show the people what i got invited out to uh, by the Bank of International Settlement through the Financial Stability Board. <laughs> it's, uh, t- take a look at this one. I don't know if you could uh, pull it up, Tim, but it says, uh, too big to fail consultation uh, virtual workshop, uh, basically, that uh, that they're you know having. Uh, and it's if you can see at the top, it actually is biz.webex.com. So it's actually a webinar. But it says underneath, though, 
uh, I'm not sure if I actually will be, you know, invited because it says underneath, thank you for registering. Your uh, registration information has sent, uh, has uh, was sent to the host after the host accepts the registration, you will uh, receive a confirmation email that contains detailed information about joining the event. So <laughs> I don't think I'm likely I'm to actually like be able to uh, be on that uh, too big to fail consultation workshop. But, but that's what they're actually, so it seems like they're actually preparing now, Tim, for another, as I said, another wave of bankruptcies here. Uh, and, you know, the, the, when the, the economy really are stalling, when, you know, the, the, the wake up call comes that, you know, we're all so indebted. And, you know, this whole coronavirus was a great cover to, you know, basically steal from everybody and then leave everybody in the dark. And, um, like, I don't know, it seems like we're heading towards the second wave of tyranny or a second wave of economic collapse, Tim. Uh, just look at, you know, people are getting beaten in the streets in Australia. There are massive shutdowns there. You know, you can't basically go out of your house. And uh, like shutdowns are just terrible for the general, uh, small the real economy, because they shut down small businesses and people can't do their things. Uh, they're forced to, you know, uh, lose their jobs, basically. Meanwhile, you know, the, the Walmarts, the uh, the big uh, the corpor big corporations are still up and running, like Amazon and everybody else that, you know, uh, are corporate welfares, uh, welfare whores. And uh, they, they are the ones that are winning and uh, everybody else seems to be losing to Winning, and uh, you know, I was I was just checking out the Discord for a little bit, and we're at, I mean, I know like, there's like two or three bots in there. That, I mean, like bots that we put in there to, to help things out, but we're, we're if you don't count the bots, I think we're like at like 197. So you know, we got three more to get us up to 200. That'd be a cool uh, number to have because you know we're not gonna be on on YouTube over here forever and Facebook. I mean, these days I'm hardly ever even on Facebook anymore. I mean, maybe I'll go and, uh, you know, uh, you know, create, you know, make some comments to piss some people off and then, you know, dip out to, uh, you know, then get blocked and see what the aftermath of that is. But, you know, aside from that, uh, you know, I'm not really wasting too much time uh, these days on, uh, on fascist books. So, you know, I need, I need to start, you know, hitting up the discord more. And, uh, you know, the last article I see over here is just another one that shows uh, the Fed says it is developing an experimental digital currency which means when they say they're experimenting with it means that they probably already have it and they just want to you know make it seem like it's something that's down the road even though you know the down the road is probably going to be a lot uh, sooner than what uh, you and I would probably think not you and I is like the average person probably not the, not actually you and I because you and I probably think this is coming a lot quicker uh, but it, but you know it, this is one of the reasons that John and I harp on this so much is because this is really for all the marbles because once they get us onto the system once they get people to accept the system it's game over and there's no you know putting Humpty Dumpty back together again once you know you're in the spot where they can just take all of your money and they can just cut you off or they can make it so you can't even access the internet in the future uh, and so I don't want to give them any ideas over here of, of you know bad shit that they could do because you know there's pretty much no you know end to you know the bad stuff that they could do but uh, but at this point you know what I think I'll do is you know I'll uh, I'll cut the the regular stream so if you guys are watching this on a you know a podcast or something else we are uh, you know, going ahead and answering, uh, taking some questions here, but, you know, make sure to follow us on places like float, uh, on library, all, all of our YouTube uh, stuff will be back up now on library automatically. Uh, I really feel like library is sort of like taking like a, uh, like a, like kind of like almost taking over from BitChu and it's been around for a while. I mean, like Ernie's been interviewing, uh, Jeremy Coffin since going back to 2016, uh, talking about library. And it's, it's one of the ones that sort of like dismissed it a little bit early on. 
but they do make it very easy to go straight from now they don't have any i don't believe they have any live streaming features so you know for that you know I'm, uh, we're in, right now we are promoting float that app as well as uh you know d live for for going live uh you know although i think d live got bought by uh, i think justin sun had some sort of part of that with tron and so they're not i feel like they've lost a lot of their luster as well you know no no pun on gold but anyways finding you know but but you know discord is a place where you know you can see where we'll eventually be at or wherever we're at we'll post it there so you know that will be a primary means of communication you guys can get my uh free ebook by texting uh liberty advisor one word so no spaces to 71441 to see exactly how they rig all these numbers and uh what do you have what do you have going on or what do you, what would you like to uh, pin for promote john and uh we'll uh you can check, of course, everything that I do up at theeconomictruth.org, where you can find all my work, all the videos that I do, everything that gets put out of articles that I do, and so on. Actually, I, uh, I'm getting featured at uh, something called Private uh, Debt Investor uh, with my derivative uh, infographics, which actually the Discord users have had access to for a while uh, to see, but... Uh, you know, there's always uh, people that are, you know, contacting me. I I've become very popular on LinkedIn, uh, Tim. I've been the number one, uh, you know, trending article uh, a lot of times on e under economics, passing, you know, the, the Mohammed El Arian and others. Uh, they're uh, great economists that are out there uh, with my content. So it seems like, you know, that the ideas are getting out there and. Uh, but please, yeah, check it, check out everything yeah. at uh, the Of course, you could buy my book there, but you could also, if you want to support uh, Total Tyranny, you could buy it at uh, Amazon uh, as well. So, uh, but yeah, please uh, help and support. And also for, for those of you, if uh, I could also get help because I, I am trying to keep up with, you know, there's a lot of costs to uh, running, uh, running this. Uh, and of course, uh, another site that I'm trying to run as well as bankrun.org. Uh, which uh, I think that me and Ernie are getting ready, Tim, to uh, put our put your whole dream into fruition there uh, very soon. <laughs> so you've got to stay tuned there as well. But it would be great if uh, I could, uh, you know, get some help with some donations so we could keep it up and running. And I don't have to spend all my personal money onto it so we can have it, you know, as a as a running animal that, you know, are exposing. But also it's going to be some fun things probably coming out of it uh, very soon as well, Tim. Yeah, I'd also want to give a, a shout out to uh, Bitlord Dole. Uh, Zach has been helping us out a lot where he's been taking these streams and reposting them onto uh, my podcast feed, which has been, you know, gigantic, gigantic, gigantic uh, help. And we've got, you know, people, some people helping us out in the Discord. But yeah, hoping to do more of these uh, because, well, more than, you know, one every two months because uh, so much stuff is going on. But, you know, we were hitting it, I was hitting it just so hard for so long. And, you know, talking about all the coronavirus bullshit for so long that, you know, it really does, you know, burn you out. It's talking about all this BS all the time. And so I needed a good, you know, two months to recharge with everything going on in my life. You know, you get a lot of stuff going on in your life. But anyways, it's good to be back. Love all the comments. Love, you know, all the, uh, you know, uh, I love the haters too because, you know, your comments then, you know, help more, the algorithms make more people see it. So thank you very much to all the haters out there. And uh, love the haters. Uh, I know Trump at one point. <laughs> Didn't he, like, like for Easter, he's like, happy Easter to everyone, even all the haters or especially all the elevators. Uh, but, you know, he does, he does provide us a lot of uh, comedy. But anyways, I'm Tim Pichot with the Liberty Advisor. He is John Stice in The Economic Truth. And together we are the Tim and John Show. But until next time, uh, I'll see you guys later. And thank you so much for, uh, for joining us.